0: Hi Rachel, what are you doing? I'm recording episode 22 of my Lessons from Loss podcast. And who are you talking to this week? Nicola Hayler. And what's her story? She talks about the crippling impact of the fear of loss that she had. That sounds really interesting. Who's the porcupine speaker this week? No, but maybe it's hiding in a special place. Well, let's find out shall we? Hello and welcome to Lessons from Loss, the podcast in which we share our experiences of loss and more importantly, explore the lessons that we learn that now positively define and guide our lives today. I'm your host, Rachel Smith, and each episode I chat with a different guest about their experience and lessons learned. I'd like to take a moment to acknowledge the courage and vulnerability of all my guests in sharing their stories and the impact that hearing these stories has on you, the listener. Please take care when you listen. So today I'm delighted to be talking with Nicola Hayler about the impact that a fear of loss has had on her life. Experiencing anxiety, overwhelm and perfectionism for many years, she has learned and is continuing to learn how to let go, surrender and start to build acceptance and trust. Combining her skills in the therapeutic design and counselling, She's now helping others create their own sacred space for safety and presence. Welcome, Nicola. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Glad to do this. Oh, you're very welcome. I'm, and I'm really, you know, this is obviously a very different kind of form of loss because this is all centred around actually a fear of loss. Yeah. So, what, what, what's the sort of the main impact that this has had on your life?
1: you know right from as far back as i can remember i've had this real dread of being separated from those that i love or even things that i hold dear um and it's it's culminated in me really trying to cling on tightly to those things and i suppose look ahead at what could create that loss i'm i'm very future based in my thinking
0: and how's that impacted you on a day-to-day basis?
1: I think it means that you can't ever fully relax. It's really difficult to remain present when you're concerned about, you know, calamity or trauma coming in the future. Your world kind of being shaken by a loss of some kind.
0: I mean, that must be exhausting as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm I'm better at coping with it now, but when I was younger, crikey, it really, there was a time when it's all I could really think about, that that future-based thinking about what could go wrong. And I think a lot of it comes down to, will I be left alone?
0: So this presumably stems from something really sort of quite early on in your life?
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, I've I've done quite a lot of personal development and looked into where this could have originated. and. Um, There was was an occasion right back when I was about six years old when I went off to a brownie camp. So uh, we we all trekked off to this village hall. Um, All of my friends were there, but I knew from the start there was something stopping me wanting to go. I was absolutely dreading being separated from my parents, but I was too afraid to show how I was really feeling to my friends. So I did the done thing and I kind of I went along on the trip. And I was ridiculously homesick for the whole week of being there. And I think that has kind of laid the foundation for a lifetime of avoiding that separation again.
0: Oh, that must have been a, a horrible experience being you know just being sick sick and wanting to to be at home with with your parents and not being able to to be with them. Hmm. has that so it sounds like this this fear has has then stayed with you at what point did you sort of realize that it was that it was a an issue that it was a problem
1: the only thing I can think of really that has demonstrated to me just how much of a hold this fear of loss had over me it was when my sister left home to go traveling um she went through various different countries and ended up in Australia and it's still talking about it can bring up a real um tightness in my chest (laughs) I, I, I feel that kind of that raw emotion is still there deep down we were in some ways treated like twins growing up you know we had very equal experiences and the moment that I learned she was going to be moving on and going to the other side of the world I couldn't cope with the thought of that separation anxiety that I was going to get um, and I was kind of panicking about it really for the last few months of her being in the UK before she left when she did eventually go I kind of went through I would say maybe a month of not panic attacks as such, but panic feelings rising up in me as I thought about this great distance that was between us. And you know, over time, I've obviously got used to it. We we speak a lot on you know FaceTime and that kind of thing, so that distance has been made smaller. But
0: oh, so she's still out in Australia? Yeah, she?
1: she is. Yeah, yeah, she's um, she's married now, out in Australia, so that is her home now. So. I guess I've learned how to let go since then and I feel um, I suppose calmer about the idea of her being the other side of the world because I feel it's in some way her destiny so I have worked on it but there was a time that I just I couldn't see how I was going to cope with the rest of my life away from her.
0: That fear must have been quite crippling at times.
1: Yeah yeah it really was. Um it was a you know a deep concern that when you know my parents are no longer here, if I didn't have a partner at that stage for whatever reason, would I be kind of you know all on my own
0: without mm-hmm. that sense of support? And presumably at some point in your life, you have experienced act- like loss. so yeah. so is it almost that the fear of loss is actually greater than the actual loss.
1: Yeah, you've nailed it. Absolutely. It's the the overthinking about what might be and a concern for unstable, an unstable mental state basically, that keeps me trying to protect myself from that eventual loss. Mm -hmm. When in actual fact when I go through the other side of it, I am more than capable of dealing with
0: it yeah i I always think of that saying, i mean, I don't know if it is an actual saying or maybe I've just made it into a saying yeah. that, that you're um you're stronger than you think you are, you're better yeah. than you think you are yeah yeah
1: I agree it's so true,
0: gosh, I'm just trying to sort of get my get my head around the um that the the fear of loss mm. is actually more crippling than than when the loss itself actually occurs.
1: Yeah, and it can feel so real as well. I mean, the imagination is such a powerful thing. And I think this is where living in the future all the time is not good for our mental states because it the present moment is really the only place where you can, can find space just to be without the future worries clouding stuff or the past regrets. The present is the only place where that doesn't happen.
0: Yes. So have you trained yourself or taught yourself to be able to practice being present?
1: It's it's a job, I'll tell you that much. It's mm. definitely quite a job to do that. But I have certainly found that the present moment can be felt now. there's There's something... Usually, how I find it is something as simple as sitting in front of a candle that's burning. I find that by focusing in on that flame that's flickering, that sense of movement completely takes me away from the rest of the environment around me. So it draws me in, and somehow it clears the way, it clears everything else away, all of my concerns about the future. And I can literally feel. The density of the present moment it might sound a bit strange to say that but it's a real felt sense of a clearing happening
0: when did you first sort of experience that and and were able to kind of associate that with being you know something that would be good for you to to utilize
1: the first time i remember it was ironically with my sister she'd come back to the uk Oh, gosh, it must have been five or so years ago. Um, And we'd both been to a yoga class together. And we were back at home afterwards, kind of doing a little meditation together. And I truly felt still. That's the first time I had truly felt completely still. I didn't have my head clogged up with fears of the future. There was just a blissful emptiness
0: Wow. Do you think that was because your sister was actually there present with you?
1: Quite possibly, yeah. I suppose in some ways my um, my family unit was complete then when she was back, so I guess that probably did help me to feel that there was nothing really to fear because we were all with each other. I think we've both been on a really strong personal development journey, so we've we've overtaken each other at different times and we're now kind of parallel so she definitely helps me to find that present moment again and to realize that the past doesn't have to be how it carries on
0: no and like you say to to be able to take yourself out of the future and most of the time when you're in the future are you then sort of catastrophizing
1: i think i i definitely used to as i say i'm i'm much better at reasoning with myself now but there was i mean when i think about the the dread of loss that the most significant one that comes to mind aside from my sister leaving is my beloved gran who we had a such an intense connection the two of us the thought of her leaving this earth and no longer being in my life was a real problem in my mind for years and years before it actually happened Mm. I mean we're talking I would say five to six years leading up to when she did leave I was always constantly kind of analyzing for possible scenarios where something might happen to her as she was aging you know i saw that kind of downhill run and feared when it eventually happened because i didn't know how i was going to react having never lost somebody from death who was i was really really intensely close to i didn't know how i was going to react to that so i gave my mind all number of scenarios
0: which actually didn't come to fruition at all So all that time that you spent worrying, did that then actually, I mean, I guess it must have done detract you from or or distract you from spending quality time with her then in her last few years?
1: Yeah, I would say that quality time, although we enjoyed time together, for me, it was always clouded with just something on my shoulder, like a devil on the Mm. shoulder saying, hang on a sec, you really need to keep this in check because you know bad things could be around the corner. Don't fully enjoy yourself because you know, you know, the rug could be pulled out from underneath you. So there was always that sense of don't fully let yourself go just in case.
0: And I guess then a not being able to completely and totally fully live your life
1: yeah absolutely without that guarded side of me there yeah it was Mm. difficult to live my life without that
0: yes I mean that 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 also then is a the the fear of the loss actually then Mm. lends itself to loss itself because that's a loss of a a part of your of your life whether that's your sort of your your energy, or your presence, or your ability yeah. to to live life to to your sort of total full potential. Yeah,
1: exactly. And I'm learning that that just isn't the way that I can carry on. Mm. As I say, I've done a lot of work on myself since then, and constantly predicting or trying to predict the future is it's not real. The imagination is is so good at getting you wound up in something that probably will never happen yeah not in the way you think it's going to anyway
0: no so at what point did you feel that or or was there was there a a moment at which you thought i i've got to seek help or i've got to i've got to do something to sort this out or has it just kind of been a, an organic sort of development just as you've you know matured and grown wiser
1: Yeah, I think it's been exposure, actually, to losses. I think by training myself that when the loss happens and I've got through it, I can get through it. It's just by the gradual exposure to things like that. that I'm realising I'm more than capable of dealing with it. And it's only through going through the experience of a loss of some kind that I'm going to learn that because nobody can tell me you're going to be fine. I just have to see that for myself
0: yes because I guess when you're in that fear you know the, the fear takes away a degree of rational thought doesn't it that yeah. people can tell you till they're blue in the face that it'll be okay or you'll be okay
1: yeah it's made me feel so um strongly about helping other people to be not rid of the future-based thinking but to know it's there and to live alongside it in the present moment. So I don't think we can ever fully eradicate these thoughts that come in. It's about accepting that they're there and almost making friends with them in a weird way. Mm. Just putting them to one side while we get on with our present moment living.
0: Yes. Because we all, I mean, you know, it's part of being human, isn't it? We all, to some degree or another look into the future and maybe envisage or play out scenarios in our minds of that uh, x might happen or y might happen
1: yeah
0: and yeah and and often particularly good about doing that when it's you know a a, a more kind of unpleasant type experience so a, you know a, a a loss of some sort perhaps or or something some potential trauma that that might happen. Yeah. So I guess it's about being able to to moderate it, as you say, so that you can you you know you're aware of it, but that it doesn't impact your life too hugely.
1: Yeah. And that you exactly. manage it.
0: And yeah, and I'm so interested about the that actually when you you experience the loss it wasn't as bad as you're anticipating. I mean, I can relate that to my own experience. My husband had a terminal diagnosis for five years of cancer. Yeah. And I did spend some time kind of imagining, you know, I had never experienced or been present to anybody dying yeah. before. And, you know, I do remember I, I did spend some time kind of thinking, you know, sort of almost at playing it out in my mind like where would it happen how would it happen what would it be like who would I have with me and kind of anticipating the massive depth of of emotion yeah absolutely. Um, and I and I think in some respects it perhaps helped me prepare but also when it happened reflecting back it wasn't as bad or maybe I coped better than I had ever anticipated within you know all that sort of um, forward thinking that I had done all those scenarios that I'd set up so I, it's yeah, I, yeah. Can, I can really relate to to that sort of whole process of, of future thinking and, and yeah. wondering how things are going to turn out.
1: Absolutely I mean as you were just talking about your own experience I could completely relate to what you were saying and I know that no experience will ever be exactly the same for two people but wow how you just articulated that is near on exactly how I felt preceding the the death of my gran and it was so surprising when that moment happened and she did leave her body there was nothing left there for me to do but let go yeah it was so obvious that she was no longer there that I automatically let go I didn't try not to leave her body there you know I didn't try and stop that eventual process of her being taken somewhere else happening all these scenarios that I dreamt might happen none of that happened because I knew It was her time. She was no longer there. There's nothing left for me but letting go.
0: Mm. But you didn't realise that until you were actually in it.
1: And it's actually really helped to go through that experience to know that in the moment, when that happens to somebody else, I will actually have the courage deep down to let go where I never thought I'd be able to do that
0: and how does that feel to have to know that you've got that
1: I'm grateful really that Gran taught me the lesson because out of all the people who could have left and I could have learned this experience by she was the one who we'd had such a an attachment with each other so I'm grateful that the power of our relationship has led to me learning that it's okay to let go and it actually feels safe to let go. I'm glad it was her. I'm not as afraid as I was. Sure, I don't like the idea, but I'm not as afraid as I was.
0: Yeah, and maybe, you know, that was her, maybe one of her purposes of life mm. was to to help you have that lesson.
1: yeah. If there's nothing else in my life that I think I'm here to learn, letting go is one of them. And it isn't just in death that letting go has to be done sometimes. It's, you know, letting go of experiences that no longer serve your life and letting them go into the past. And friendships come and go. They might sort of, you might drift apart from people. And in the past, I would have clung on to that and tried not to let them Kind of fall away from my life, but now I realize that there's a purpose to everything, and that letting go and relaxing into whether you call it destiny or all of those things, relaxing into what's ahead without worrying too much about it.
0: And do you think comes with that a almost a sort of innate sense of it'll be okay?
1: Yeah, I I genuinely, genuinely believe now through the soul searching that I've done and the personal development. I've had so many times where I've truly, truly felt the weight of something bigger than me behind me. It's there. I can feel it. there have been so many things that I look back on and I realize that they've been guidance rather than, you know, a scenario just going wrong and falling away. Actually, there's been a reason for that.
0: Do you now look for that guidance when something happens?
1: I do, but I think it's also difficult sometimes to see it if you're looking into the future. I think mm. it really has to be, again, a present moment to feel that. If I'm, if I'm trying to look too far ahead at what the guidance is trying to tell me, that's when I get into creating these scenarios. Yeah. It's only in presence that I can fully listen to the next step and not worry too much about where the future steps are going to go. Just the next step is what I need to do. That yeah. must
0: really help with the sense of sort of overwhelm that that could bring to just knowing all all you need to worry about is the next step.
1: Yeah, exactly because it will fall into place somehow things just do with faith and trust. Somehow things just do fall into place
0: that must be such a game changer for for your life
1: it's something I try to remember is there Mm. because you can you know everybody has bad days and you can veer off the course and start to you know have negative feelings about things which it's all part of being human you're never going to have a good day every day that's just just the way we are as complex emotional beings but I suppose it's when I have a bad day to get to the end of that day and think right I think I'm going to sleep on this tonight and wake up tomorrow and there might be a rhyme or reason for what I've just been through and often something will pop up, it might not be the next day, it might be in a couple of weeks time, but I'll come full circle from that day of suffering. And I'll learn why that had to happen.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that that sometimes that, that guidance doesn't make itself known at the present time, it's, it will pop up and sometime later, and you go, oh, okay. (laughs) So that's what I had to learn.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And in that moment, it's, I feel incredibly in touch with something bigger and grateful that I am being guided in some way. Mm. And, you know, it's, it's not everybody has that kind of connection to something else. And often people don't really want to go down that route. It's not for everyone, but I just really, really feel that by being present to oneself, whether that is, with something bigger than us joining up in that present experience, being present to oneself gives you the opportunity to make space for whatever needs to come up, whatever's inside of you.
0: And I suppose knowing, even if you don't know what the guidance or the lesson is at that particular time, just accepting and surrendering to the fact that there's something in this for me to learn, perhaps makes it easier to move through those difficult challenging times
1: ultimately i think it's just in learning to be a better friend to yourself i really think that connecting to the present moment that's what it is you're being a better friend to yourself by facing yourself basically facing yourself in that present moment because that's all that is there it's you And I totally, totally get that it's incredibly difficult to face yourself if you're uncomfortable with something about you. I've been there. I've I've felt it myself. I've avoided being alone because I knew I'd have to face myself. But it's in taking those baby steps one step at a time, testing my boundaries, testing if I'm brave enough. That I've learned I'm actually kind of okay on my
0: own. So you're nearing the end of your training as a counsellor was that what what prompted you to to want to be a counsellor?
1: You know I've had so many years from being really young of struggling with mental health and not really having support it's really when the counsellor kind of stepped in that she my first ever counsellor that is she had a, a real strong understanding of what it is to be vulnerable and experience mental issues. So I developed a kind of warmth with her. And ever since, I mean, I've had lots of different counsellors over the years and coaches and that kind of thing. I've experienced a sense of renewed hope and learned so much about myself through counselling and a sense of reassurance that what I'm going through is you know, not abnormal because many of us as human beings go through difficult times mentally throughout our lives. That's just part of being human, I think. Yeah. The sense of hope that personal counselling gave to me was something I really wanted to give to others. I wanted to be that person, to give that client in front of me a sense of understanding about themselves so they're not so afraid to move forward in life
0: yes what a lovely thing to be able to do and to to recognize in others that they are perhaps being grounded by as grounded as in stuck through yeah through fear and through yeah that just kind of future thinking all the time but yeah. actually being able to guide them back to to being present and perhaps sort of introducing those ideas of uh, letting go and <clears throat> and surrendering to to what will what will be and and what is
1: and ultimately the work I do as a counsellor is very person-centered that's the modality that I'm training in so It's about passing back the reins to the client and allowing them that space to fall into themselves again and work out what it is that they actually need, what it is that they're wanting to do with their lives to process what's going on inside of them. Because so often, when you articulate your emotional problems to other people in your network, you get opinions thrown at you left, right, and center, you get advice. You know, potential solutions that other people think are going to work in person centered counselling. It's not about what I think or my solutions or what I would do, it's about handing the reins back to that person who's actually going through the experience and helping them get to the solution.
0: A very empowering form.
1: It's the most empowering counselling modality that I've seen personally because it literally puts the autonomy back to the client so they've got all the answers deep down and that's what the process is about it's about uncovering that
0: and I suppose trusting as well trusting yeah. themselves trusting yeah. the the messages or the guidance that they yeah you help them to be able to access that they they yeah. have within themselves already and obviously having gone through this whole process yourself in learning to, to trust and to, to surrender to yourself is going to, yeah, it's going to make you a, a great counsellor, I'm sure.
1: I hope so. I mean, that's, that's the goal. But really the work that I do is minimal compared to the work that the client does. Mm. I create the space and kind of handhold through the process, but actually... The work the client does is it's astounding to see somebody open up about their most vulnerable sides to actually, you know, kind of a stranger in the beginning because they don't know me. They don't know anything about me. And that's the way it should be. But it's such a privilege to create that space for somebody where they can just let rip and just say exactly what's coming to mind, be exactly who they want to be. And not have an opinion clouding that
0: yeah it's a real position of of privilege to be able to to do that so you're looking at combining that with your skills as a in therapeutic design then to help people create their own sacred place
1: so when we think about sacred spaces often you know religious places of worship come to mind and places that kind of help us tap into something else but the idea behind my therapeutic design in finding that sacred space it's about creating an environment whether that's a corner in your house you know a tiny space a little cozy area whether it's even in a therapeutic scenario where you might have a holistic therapist who needs to create that space for other people who are coming into into treat in for treatment it's about making the space feel that it gives opportunity for grounding so often there's so much around us that can distract us away from stillness often you know, in commercial scenarios, maybe the comfort of the user hasn't fully been thought about. When you look at counselling, for instance, there are a huge amount of counselling agencies out there who don't have the funding or the some, in some ways the knowledge on what is needed to make someone feel fully grounded and safe. Ultimately, it's safety that it comes down to. I know that what's within us obviously has an impact on that feeling of safety. But if you look at where you're sat, look at the environment around you. There are things you can do and put in place that might help you get to that place of safety within your body.
0: I can think of a number of sort of therapeutic type settings that I've been in and yeah there are definitely some where you just walk in and it it's you just feel completely sort of cocooned and and safe in that environment and others where it just kind of feels a bit clinical which that in itself is not always sort of creating that that sense of safety yeah
1: exactly and i i too have experienced Clinical settings, and I find it really hard to relax when I'm surrounded by, you know, strong architectural features rather than a softer kind of incorporation of the boundaries of the space. It's, it sounds overcomplicated, but it's really not. It's just about softening the space to make it a more comfortable experience for the user, whether that's in a commercial scenario or in someone's home.
0: So this stemmed from you were an interior designer. Trained in interior
1: design 10 or so years ago now. um, And I've followed the path through that industry, working on show homes, working on domestic dwellings, on restaurants, You know, the real show-home-esque vibe is what I've had a history in through my interior design. And yes, don't get me wrong, I love when a scheme comes together and when it feels like it really works. But there was something missing. It felt like it was was all for show. It was a statement to the world that you've basically got your shit together, excuse Mm. the French. It doesn't actually really say that much about the inside of a person so you know when I was kind of doing some design work on dementia care homes and institutions where people were really struggling mentally or at least losing a sense of themselves design on that kind of environment where you really have to think about the perception of safety in a space that made me think a bit deeper about Why is design so het up about the outward image when actually what's more important is how an individual feels in terms of their their safety and their comfort? So I guess that's kind of where I've headed with it, with my sacred space. I'm not really so interested in the show esque vibe because I don't think that is the crucial part of interior design. I think it's about creating a sensory, soothing experience within your space.
0: And that's going to be different for every individual, isn't it?
1: Yeah. And again, coming back to the person centred approach, passing it back to the client, it isn't about what I think is a good design. I'm I'm no Lawrence and Bowen or, you know, I'm not, I don't have a signature style that I'm going to put upon the client. It's not about me. It's about what they need from their space and with my counselling skills i hope to be able to help them uncover that
0: from a therapist point of view when you're trying to create a therapy room then actually that's that's quite a challenge then isn't it because you've got potentially different environments will create different emotions for for your different clients so so that's that's quite a challenge isn't it to come up with something that hopefully will will suit a lot of people and help them help them feel safe.
1: Exactly. Yeah, and I think it's about finding a balance. Ultimately, mm. it's about looking at how lots of different people experience it and finding the middle ground. And also, I think that comes into that is is choice for the client as well. So, when you think about bringing sensory elements into a space things like a client being able to choose for instance the aroma that's in the space or the the music that's happening in the space or in some ways changing the color of a space by using clever lighting and that kind of thing giving the reins back to the client again and saying you as an individual what do you need from this space for your healing journey to work as well as it possibly can do and I think there's ways in a therapeutic environment that we can give the client choice.
0: Wow it's probably not something that I have ever given a huge amount of thought to but yeah I definitely will do will do now.
1: I honestly think that it really begins with tapping into the client and and asking and actually just having conversations about these things because we might be surprised at what they say very easy I've done it before it's very easy to go into a clinical space and be polite and just not really ever mention that you're not feeling so comfortable but I think it's maybe the therapist's job really I think to find out if their client is totally comfortable
0: gosh well you've certainly given me lots to (laughs) to think about (laughs) yeah (laughs) what would you I mean you know that's kind of been a huge journey hasn't it from all those years of of sort of almost being crippled by a fear of loss and then going through that sort of process of exposing yourself to loss and discovering that actually you can deal with it. That you are stronger than you than you perhaps thought that you were. To now embarking on this new business and which is going to have such a positive impact on so many other people as therapists, but also in terms of their clients as well. It's been a you know a huge positive progression from from that starting place. What would you say has been the biggest lesson? the biggest takeaway from from this journey that you've been on do
1: you know what I just think it's in allowing things to fall away and making space for new things to come in through clearing that present moment but I think it brings a sense of being more together to an individual that's what it's done for me I feel more whole as a human and more inside of my body than I ever have through years of dissociation and feeling really detached right now through making a conscious effort to meet the present moment and meet myself I'm the most together I've ever been right now
0: that's brilliant to hear and I guess then that ties in really nicely then with my sacred space is that if you can create the right environment to be in, then that helps you be present.
1: Absolutely. I think it, it may not heal all of the emotions going on inside of you, but what it does is it creates a space where you feel safe enough to do the deeper work, where you can be totally, totally yourself in that environment, which then allows for bit of introspection i suppose
0: gives you a space to be safe to be vulnerable in exactly thank you so much for coming on and and talking about your experiences and this sort of very different form of loss this this fear of loss and how you've you know you've been able to start to overcome that and you know develop into this wonderful business though you'll be able to go and help so many more people it certainly made me think about things in a in a different way and I'm going to be setting up a clinic room soon so I'll I'll, I'll be coming to you for your um, well I won't say for your advice but for your guidance perhaps (laughs) yeah exactly
1: (laughs) we've all got so much advice flying around I don't think we need more of it I think what we need is to be allowed that time to Just think about what we want, not what other people
0: want from us. Such a great conversation, a really different take on loss. It was a timely episode talking about creating space. I'm going to be taking a short break from the podcast for some radical replenishment over the summer. I really hope you've enjoyed listening to this first series as much as I've enjoyed putting them together. Such an array of topics and interesting guests Thank you to all my guests, my support networks, Jamie Farrell for the beautiful music. And lastly, huge appreciation to you for tuning in. I'll be back soon with another Lesson from Loss.